How do we create more sustainable businesses and a sustainable world? With listeners in 53 countries over six continents, Sustainable the Podcast aims to explore exactly that. Join our host, Tabby Jane, founder of EarthSelf, as she interviews inspirational leaders who are helping to reconnect business back to nature. Discover new ways of working. Be inspired to take action. In episode 65, I spoke with Esther Foreman, founder of the Social Change Agency, about why social change is important. Today, I'm speaking to Jeannie Boyle. Jeannie has been working in the financial services for over 10 years. She joined EQ in 2008 as a technical consultant and since 2010 has been a director of the firm. When providing advice, Jeannie focuses on clear communication so that her clients fully understand the facts, opinions and recommended solutions, which enable them to make well-informed decisions. As a director, Jeannie concentrates her efforts on ensuring the advice provided across EQ is of an exceptional standard, putting in place processes and systems to ensure their clients remain at the heart of their business. Jeannie is a chartered financial planner and in 2015 won Money Management's Ethical Financial Planner of the Year Award. She appears regularly in national and trade media outlets discussing personal finance issues. Outside of work, Jeannie enjoys yoga, hiking, triathlons and live music. Welcome Jeannie, it is great to have you on Sustainable today. Thank you. So EQ stands for Emotional Quotient. Why are emotions so important in the way that you do business, especially when it comes to finances? I think it's, it's very easy when you work in a wealth management business to start valuing money for something of its own, for its own sake. Uh, and money really has no intrinsic value. It's about what it can do for you as a client. So we chose the name because we wanted people to have an emotional involvement with their money as a means to an end, as a way to help them achieve their, their dreams in life. So, you know, whether it's putting your children to university or buying a home abroad or retiring a few years earlier, those are the things that matter. The money itself doesn't matter at all. So having an emotional connection is very important to us. And as well as what the money can do for you, it's what you're doing with your money that connects back to your emotions as well. If you can feel good about what your investments are doing in the world, then you're going to feel good about owning those investments and the things that they're going to do for you later in life. Hmm, And I like that. And it's almost what you're saying there, because I mean, sometimes we can have so much negative emotion attached to money and what you're saying is it's really important to to understand the positive emotions associated with money and what it can achieve through that focus. Absolutely. I think sometimes people feel slightly guilty about the wealth they accumulate and mostly that's a result of of hard work throughout the years and we don't want people to feel like that. We want people to feel positive and engaged with what they're doing. Yeah, no, I I love that. So you've created the EQ Foundation, which is a registered charitable institution. So what can you tell us about the foundation and where did this original idea come from? So just as an individual gives money to a charity, we think businesses should have a commitment to giving to charity as well. So we set up the EQ Foundation to support causes in the UK and Africa. Um, And we try to use the foundation to support causes we think have a really high level of impact with the money that we give. So we tend to support causes that are a little bit 
off the beaten track. Uh, for an example, we've supported the African Prisons Project, which works with prisoners in, in Africa, helping them educate themselves and in some cases even get themselves out of jail by learning the law in their country and generally improving conditions because we thought it was a really well-run charity operating in a sector where you could have a high level of impact with the money that you are donating. Mm. We also use the um, the foundation to promote some of the the investment themes that we pursue. So we've recently donated some money to the Centre for Social, Social Justice, who are conducting a study on the effects of childhood obesity. Now, we know that obesity is, is has serious personal health impacts, but it's a social issue as well. Um, obesity costs the NHS a lot of money, and it's very strongly linked to poverty. Um, so we... We promote in some of our portfolios companies that invest in healthcare um, and developing uh, treatments for obesity and diabetes. And we wanted the foundation to reflect those themes. So it was very much part of our business. Yeah, now that's great. So, I mean, how do you decide which charities to support? Is it that they're they're alongside your investment themes or is there another way that you, you figure it out? No, it's, um, I'm a trustee of the charity uh, alongside John Spears, who's the, the CEO of the company, uh, and we all generally discuss the applications and make decisions about where we, we feel they fit with our aims as a company, uh, where we feel there's impact. But you know, we've supported a, a range of different charities. As I mentioned before, there's the African Prisons Project. Uh, we've also worked very closely with uh, an organisation called Resurgo, who organise training for young people who are out of work. And they put young people through a program, helping them develop the skills and the confidence to apply for jobs and help them through that process. Uh, And as a result of that, we've taken on a couple of the graduates from their programs so they can come and work in the business. And again, it's kind of completing the circle of of our giving. Yeah, no, I, I I love that. And what I'm really hearing from here is it's really important to choose causes to support that are in alignment with the values and the aims of the organisation rather than just trying to support something for supporting sake. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't you can't support every cause. And there are there are thousands of good causes out in the world and um, thousands of charities doing fantastic work. It's, it's very, very difficult to make decisions about which to support and which not to. Yeah. So then why is placing a focus on social and environmental impact important to EQ as an organisation? We very simply want to be good corporate citizens. We want our business to have a positive impact for our clients, for our staff, on the environment. We are very committed and very open about the fact we want to make a profit, but that profit doesn't come at any cost. Everything we do should have a positive impact and that's reflected in the the work we've done with the b corp movement so we're a certified b corp um, and we've also just received um, a kite mark the good egg kite mark from an organization called good with money which is a seal of approval of the work that we're doing but yeah it's, it's hugely important to us we don't we're not doing this for the sake of it we're doing this because we believe we can offer clients a really good service a great way to invest their money yeah I, 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 I love that. So good corporate citizens. And for you, I mean, what I'm kind of like hearing the definition of is good corporate citizens are organisations that are making a profit, but also making sure that they're having just as much positive impact at the same time. Absolutely. We, we employ 60 people here in London. Uh, and if we weren't making a profit, we couldn't continue to employ those, those people. And it's, it's very, it's very it's, it's healthy for organisations to say, yes, we want to make a profit, but not at any cost. Yeah. 
I love that. So then what are some of the social and environmental strategies and practices that you have implemented within EQ, aside from the, um, the foundation that you've set up? So the, the main work that we've been doing is around offering clients a choice about how they invest. So you've probably heard of ethical investing and a few years ago that was a very sort of woolly tree hugging type of investment that screened out all the negative things in the world, tobacco, arms, gambling, pornography. Um, and we knew that clients wanted to invest ethically, but they also wanted to make their money work positively in the world. So we set up what we call the positive impact portfolios and they screen out some negative investments, but they go out of their way to try and include things that we think have a positive impact. So, for example, renewable energy features very heavily, um, healthcare, water conservation, all of those themes we pick out because we think they have a positive impact on the world, but also fundamentally, they're really good investments too. So we don't include anything in our portfolios that doesn't stand up as an investment in its own right. There's no compromise on the return that you're getting. Uh, and that's hugely important to us and our clients as well. We don't think that you need to give up financial returns in order to do some good with your money. Yeah, I like that. And so if we've got people listening to the the podcast who are sitting and going, do you know something, I've, I've wanted to do ethical investing, but I've never really thought about it before or haven't known what to do. Where do you start making ethical investments? How do you go about it? Um, I think the best thing you can do is speak to an advisor who's got some understanding of this area and they can help you look at where you are currently and see if that's really, if you're really going to be comfortable with the investments that you're holding. I mean, a few years ago, I was invested um, in a pension fund that I'd set up through an employer and I hadn't really thought too much about it. But when I looked more closely, I realised that I was holding stocks in tobacco firms, oil firms, and those things were just not, didn't sit right with me. Um, and so we reviewed the portfolio. Now I'm invested in, in our positive impact portfolios. But I think it's working with someone who understands that just because you want to do this doesn't make you a, a vegan from Brighton who likes hugging trees. You're just an enemy, <laughs> although you may be that and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it's, it's about helping people use their money in a way they feel good about and does some good for the world. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's a great point that you make because, you know, some of us have such strong imagery of what's associated with doing good. And I think the more that we're challenging that image, we're actually seeing that it's normal people like everybody wants to do good. I mean, the way that I kind of like think about it is everybody wants to take care of their family. Nobody particularly wants to go out and hurt anybody else. You just want to do good things. And it's how do we make it as easy as possible for everybody to do that? Absolutely. I think the, the key thing is is realising that you have a choice. Uh, as I was saying about pension funds, pretty much everyone um, has the money paid into a pension for them. You have a choice about where that's invested. Uh, just in the, in the same way you used to have a choice about the eggs that you bought. You could buy free range or you could buy uh, non-free range. And pretty much everyone buys free range now because we've, we've educated ourselves about the impact that we have when we spend our money. And the same thing is true for investing. The way you decide to invest your money has an impact on the world around you. Yeah. So then how how easy is it to, like, I've heard the word, um, it's not investments, it's divesting. Am I am I right using the language where it's, there's a lot of talk about diver, divesting. Is that different? Is that the same thing? It's, it's similar. So um, there's been a, a big movement uh, to push big corporations, big pension funds, the Church of England, to divest 
themselves from uh, fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. So obviously, if you if you're you're holding stocks in the, the FTSE 100 or any of the other main indexes, you're going to you're going to have a significant holding in oil companies or mining companies. And um, we know that some of those companies are very destructive, um, and increasingly people aren't comfortable making a profit off the back of the destruction of the environment. Um, so there's been pressure put on organisations to to dump those stocks. And, you know, the important point is that if you're invested in fossil fuels, then there's going to come a point in time when those investments don't perform. So fossil fuel is effectively dying technology. The future is in renewable energy. And we're starting to see renewable energy stocks outperform oil and fossil fuel stocks. Because if you think about the nature of a, a, a solar farm, it's far cheaper to run that than it is to drill for oil. It's a better investment. Mm. Uh, and that's, I think, more organisations are, are realising that we may have already reached peak oil production. Um, and if they want to continue to provide a return from clients' investments, they need to think again about where the money is being placed. And the same is true of, of tobacco stocks. There's been a huge uh, movement led by a lady, a fantastic lady called Dr. Bronwyn King in Australia to push Australian pension funds to divest themselves from tobacco stocks. Uh, and we're starting to see the same movement here in the UK. Uh, AXA, one company who recently announced their decision to, to invest all tobacco stocks because people simply aren't comfortable retiring off the profits from selling cigarettes. Yeah. That, that doesn't feel good. Yeah. And I, I, I like it because, I mean, what you've done is you put it down to a really, really simple statement. Does it feel good to be making your money in this way? Yes or no? And it, it kind of comes to a very simple decision when you look at it like that. And um, what I even love is, you know, it's the three examples that you gave. And I, I loved hearing that renewable energy is outperforming oil at this precise moment. But I would never have thought, and it's, it's, it's almost like challenging the image, I would never have thought that even healthcare or water would be great investments to invest in. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we, I think we need to celebrate the fact that good businesses can help us solve problems in the world. And those good businesses are profitable businesses. Uh, and that makes them great investments. Um, from a, an emotional point of view, you can feel good about what you're investing in. But from a financial point of view as well, you can, you can reap the returns. Yeah. Yeah, so it it just makes sense. I mean, it's 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 kind of funny. I mean, I, I heard somebody saying, you know, that in some of the the the, the southern states in the, in the United States, they really don't get the concept of sustainability, but they understand common sense. And it yes. it comes comes back to that. It just it's it's common sense actually when you think about it. Yeah, absolutely. How has focusing on having a social and an environmental impact within your company especially through the b Corps affiliation and also investing in a way that feels good impacted the way that you live your daily life well i really love being part of the b Corps movement because it's given me effectively a, a list of companies that i want to place my personal business with so i know other b Corps are going to be the place that i go when i want to when i when i want to do something like buy some food from Cook. I love their products. <laughs> um, it's a free plug for them. Um, and also, you know, I've invested in our own portfolios. I've been really happy with the returns I'm getting. But in my own personal life, uh, I think I've come to understand that the choices I make go beyond just how I invest my money. I need to, to choose to live a sustainable lifestyle. And you'll probably know that can be quite challenging sometimes. Um, I've been vegetarian for years. I would really love to be a vegan, but I'd struggle to give up the cheese. So I've, I've cut it down as much as I can. Um, I try, 
I try to buy less stuff. I've got a terrible problem with fast fashion and I know it's wrong. So I'm trying to buy more things secondhand or from ethically sourced fashion providers rather than just going to the cheap and cheerful stuff on the on the on the high street. And as a result, I have far fewer T-shirts, which is a good thing for me. Uh, but yes, it's a realisation that my choice matters. Mm. And I, I think it's important because what you're highlighting there, um, Jeannie, is it's important not to judge ourselves and recognise that, you know, we we do have some habits or, you know, affinities to things that aren't particularly sustainable. But it's looking at how can we make the small sustainable steps to actually make it last. And I, I, I know for me that in the past I've gone so, so extreme into sustainability that it's actually exhausted me um, trying to live up to this this standard of sustainability that you know, literally is really hard to achieve in today's world. It's so difficult, isn't it? I see I see on um, the internet people who've reduced their waste so it's the size of a matchbox, matchbox over the course of the year. And I just think, how on earth are you doing that and living modern life? You know, when you, you have um, quite a pressured job and you're commuting into London every day, trying to buy stuff that's not wrapped in plastic is very difficult. Yeah, yeah. It is. And I, I think this is the beauty of businesses that are doing good and especially the B Corps movement is that we're going to get more and more companies coming up with innovative ways to solve the challenges of modern life. Because for me, I don't think it's about going and living in a cave again. It's about how do we make the way that we live now sustainable and what, what do we need to do to change things? Absolutely. Yes. I, I like my life very much the way it is now. I don't want to have to go and live in a cave to be sustainable, but I don't like the guilt that comes with it a lot of the time. Mm. Yeah. So how do you handle that guilt then? I think it's you, you have to be kind to yourself. As you say, you can't feel guilty the whole time and, and realise that, yes, you have a choice, but you don't necessarily have to make the extreme choice. You can, you can choose to consume less rather than stop consuming at all. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. So who do you most admire and why then, Jeannie? Oh, gosh. Um, Thinking about people in the in the public sphere, a woman that I admired was uh, Mo Molum, who I thought was an incredibly courageous politician who had a, a truly unique voice and was someone who was very much in touch with her emotions and used that to to solve a really huge problem or partially solve a really huge problem, the peace process in Northern Ireland um, and her act going into the Mays prison to, to visit IRA and Eunice prisoners was, was incredibly courageous. So I admire her hugely. I think to, to really admire someone, you kind of have to know them personally, though. So I think the, the person I truly admire most in the world is, is my oldest friend, Alison, who I've known since I'm eight years old. And she's an incredibly wise, brave uh, and graceful woman who's handled whatever life has thrown at her with a, a smile and good grace. I love that. And I, I love it. I think you're one of the few people on the show who've, who've acknowledged and tributed it, um, you know, recognised the value of our friends. So I think are incredibly important on the journey that we make. Yes, absolutely. I don't think I'd be anywhere without my friends. Uh, they're, yeah, absolute rocks. <laughs> so then what's one of your most favourite memories of a time or place in nature and why? Um, oh, there's so many to choose from here. I, I'm very lucky that I live um, in Hove. I live between the sea and the South Downs. So the South Downs are, are really important to me. I, I love getting out of the city and being able to feel the fresh air and uh, listen to the birds up there. A couple of years ago, some friends and I decided to hike across Dartmoor over the Easter weekend. 
and wild camp as we get as we went so we all took packs containing everything we needed for four days and our, our tents and our food supplies and, and we set off to walk across Dartmoor and I remember that as a, a really magical time um, just living out off what we had to hand um, and spending the nights camping beside these ancient tours um, by rivers and just being really, really at peace and at ease with each other without any noise or distractions, no email, no telephones, absolutely nothing but us and the more. Mm, no, that sounds beautiful. So how do experiences like this four-day wild camping trip um, across Dartmoor, how do experiences like this influence and impact your own commitment to sustainability? I think being able to spend time in nature just reinforces the need to protect our, our landscapes. Uh, for me as well, it's it's helped me understand that I don't need to go abroad to have magical experiences. I can do that here in the UK by getting on a train and going somewhere. Um, we, we just have fantastic natural wild places in this country and um, I would, I'd love for more people to go out and appreciate them. Hmm. Yeah, I know. It's, it's it's kind of that funny thing is I, I find so many magical places and I'm I'm going for walks of where I am just now, which is about 25 miles east outside Edinburgh. And I'm still discovering places, despite being here for 20 years, that little pathways that I've never walked up and everything that lead me to little magical spots. And I'm like, wow, I never knew this was here. And I think sometimes the, the, the natural places that um, are sustained within urban environments. I mean, in Edinburgh, you have Arthur's Seat, which is a, a wonderful way to spend an afternoon if you want to get out of the city, being able to climb up a hill and have that, that peace and tranquility right on your doorstep is hugely important. And those those little oases that we find in the middle of urban landscapes remind us that nature is, is very powerful and can survive despite whatever we throw at it in terms of pollution, cars, traffic, noise and human interference. I think what I really appreciate about what you've said there is it's the reminder that even within the city, we can find these little sanctuaries and oases. And as somebody who's come from the countryside, you know, I, I used to hear all about how big and dirty and noisy cit cities were. And every time I go to a city, I don't know if it's because I'm looking for the green space, but I find so much green space that it surprises me that more people aren't aware of just how much green space is around them. Yes, and London is, is incredibly green if you, if you know where to look for it. Um, we, we have some fantastic parks and it's, it's great to be able to escape those escape to those places well this is it if you're in london the park that i love the most is um is it green park where it's got the the 13 trees in a circle i don't know if you've ever come across that and it's it's phenomenal because so many people walk past it and i got told about it i was like wow there's like this whole tree circle here <laughs> oh i didn't know that i'm gonna go and that <laughs> it's very very cool it's um can't remember the directions but i think it's on the left hand side as you're walking out the tube station and going from that end towards buckingham palace oh, okay that's good. My, my favourite spot is um, around the corner from the office. There's uh, a little church in Dunstan's and it's lost its roof during the Blitz. And that is now it's a little park in the ruins of the church. And it's a very peaceful spot for a bit of lunch on a sunny afternoon. Wow, that sounds cool. <laughs> so what is the one thing that you want people to take away from this interview today, Jeannie? I think the one thing I want people to remember is that they have a choice in how they invest their money. You don't have to accept what's put in front of you. You can choose which bank you use. You can choose which investments you make. And it doesn't necessarily have to cost you in terms of financial performance. 
if you invest ethically, you will probably find that you feel better about yourself and your money and it will still help you achieve your financial dreams. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. If listening to the show has inspired you to find out more about nature-centred business, go to www.earthself.org and click on the Nature Centred tab. And as always, if you or someone you know would make a great guest on the show, please get in touch. Next time on Sustainable, I'm speaking to John Alexander, co-founder of the New Citizenship Project, a social innovation lab that helps catalyse the shift to a more participatory society to find out more about the need for all of us to become citizens and how this impacts business. New episodes of Sustainable are released every Tuesday. Subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Get them sent straight to your inbox by signing up at www.earthself.org or come on over and join the conversation on our LinkedIn podcast page.